and welcome to episode 268 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for... Shocking Multiverse Access Returns Twin Speedster. Ooh. I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame-Podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. Hello. Hi. So we missed a couple of weeks. Yeah, sorry to, about that. Due to illness and busyness, but so we have a fair bit of news this week, so mm-hmm. strap in. Are you strapped in? Yep. Send more like a buckle than a strap, but I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so we have a little bit of surprising uh, DC movie casting news. So a young actress, uh, Boston-born of Colombian descent, named Sasha Kaje. I'm not sure how she pronounces it. Her last name is spelled C-A-L-L-E, but I heard her pronounce it, and there's like there's no L's in the way she pronounces it. So, I, so maybe I don't know. At any rate, she was just cast as Supergirl to appear in the Ezra Miller Flash movie. So awesome. it appears that the Ezra Miller, the long in in development hell, soon to apparently be filming, <laughs> Ezra Miller Flash movie is going to introduce the movie version of Supergirl. That's awesome. And she'll be played for the first time by a Latina actress. That's awesome. That's so cool. So she's apparently won she's apparently won a lot of acclaim for her role on The Young and the Restless, which Oh really? You know, yeah. So I mean she's not just some Right. Nobody. I mean, that's like that's her basically her lone professional credit. But apparently, she's like, you know, she's notable in that. You know. Right. Um, and there was a super cute video where the director of the Flash movie told her, like, they recorded both ends of the conversation and and put it on Instagram. Like when he told her she had gotten the role uh-huh. and she was super excited and. So, you know, yeah. really, really wholesome stuff. So anyway, so she's going to be appearing <laughs> oh, as, Supergirl, <laughs> as Supergirl in the Flash movie. That's so um, nice. Now, she has dark hair, mm-hmm. which has led some people to wonder whether she'll be dying it for this movie or whether we'll get the first Supergirl. Not the first Supergirl, but the first Kara Zor-El Supergirl, assuming that's the version of Supergirl she's playing with dark hair and not blonde hair. Mm-hmm. I don't really care one way or the other. I've seen some immediately the people started doing fan art of her in, in like a slightly more female version of the henry cavill costume but with dark hair and it looks pretty cool yeah so i mean if she's supposed to be related to superman there's no reason why she wouldn't have dark hair anyway exactly i imagine in the silver age it was just done because oh like a young blonde girl is like the the picture of like american you know (laughs) the area perfection stereotype Um, (laughs) but uh but yeah so that's cool so she'll we'll be seeing her in that you know in a couple of years when that comes out Mm -hmm. that's awesome add her to the list along with um you know, Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, you know, Ezra yeah, Miller himself, whoever else they get to appear in that. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so great. in in a little bit of Marvel TV news, so you know some of this already because we've, we've talked about it before, but Ryan Coogler has reached a deal with Disney to helm um, a TV series for Disney Plus to produce it, not presumably not direct it, but I suppose it's possible, but at the very least produce a series set in Wakanda, sort of like, I guess, like a Kingdom of Wakanda series for Disney+. Plus. Whether this would be an anthology or just focus on different characters yeah. in Wakanda, maybe ones we've seen before, maybe ones we haven't. Um, apparently, if you read you know, the fine print, it actually says that his deal covers multiple shows. So yeah. it's possible that there might be a, like a whole range of shows about Wakanda and its you know related characters that, that would appear on Disney+. Plus. Yep. So that's exciting. Um, unfortunately, it seems that the Wonder Girl, the Yara Floor Wonder Girl series for the CW will not, will not be moving forward. Apparently, they decided based on the script for the pilot that they didn't want to actually mm-hmm. um, shoot the pilot and, and go that far. So for the time being, at least, it looks like that's not moving forward. But the character still looks like she's got a bright future in the comics because she's getting her own Wonder Girl series coming at a future state and people seem excited about her. So 
we'll continue to see her in the comics and who knows she might appear elsewhere on the cw but it doesn't it looks like for now at least she's not getting her own series um but we did also learn that john wesley ship will mm-hmm. be guest starring in season two of star girl in an episode uh largely a flashback episode that shows you know the justice society in their prime he will be reprising his role as jay garrick mm-hmm. um on star girl so i guess we're to assume that in this new reborn multiverse after Crisis on Infinite Earths, he went from being the Flash of Earth 3 to the Flash of Earth 2, yep. which is what he was traditionally anyway. The Justice Society was always on Earth 2. The only reason that wasn't the case before in the shows is because they did the whole Jay Garrick, Hunter Zolomon switcheroo. Right. So they needed to find a different Earth for Jay to be on, so they put him on Earth 3, even mm-hmm. though that was always traditionally the crime syndicate Earth. But that's exciting. So, I, that, so that, remember me saying that the first that I bet you this season, either on Flash or Star Girl, will see some sort of crossover between the two shows. Yes. So I don't. There this, you go. I don't think I get full points for this because this isn't really a crossover. It's just a guest appearance by a supporting character. But yeah. It's something at least. Yeah. Um, DC has also announced a bunch of new uh, comics projects for the next few months. Some some digital, some some print. So I'll just run through these really quick. So they're doing. Um, they're doing an anthology one-shot called DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration. Oh, cool. For like Asian American mm-hmm. Heritage Month or whatever it is. So I think that's in April or May. And so this is an anthology featuring characters like, you know, New Superman, Cassandra Kane, mm-hmm. Ryan Choi, um, by largely, if not entirely, Asian and Asian American creators. Mm-hmm. So to keep that authenticity. Um We've mentioned before that Yara Floor was getting her own Wonder Girl ongoing series that was solicited for May with Joelle Jones returning to write and draw as she as she did for the uh, the Future State series. Um, the Shiloh Norman version of Mr. Miracle that we've been seeing in a couple of different Future State uh, stories is getting his own miniseries mm-hmm. spinning out of that taking place in the present called Mr. Miracle, the Source of Freedom um, by the same creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a continuation. This was surprising. There's going to be a continuation of the Future State world in at least one way. They're doing a Future State Gotham ongoing series that will have like rotating spotlight and rotating creators. The first arc will focus on Red Hood, who we've seen in Future State in a couple of places thus far is sort of like a morally great character who's apprehending vigilantes for the magistrate. Mm -hmm. So the first arc will focus on him. But that's interesting that they're continuing this future state branding and continuing to explore this possible future Mm -hmm. while still the rest of the line now moves back to the present. I personally would like to see, I would like to see this expanded because I think that it would be super interesting to have maybe like a future state Justice League series Mm -hmm. because that would let you see more of the John Kent Superman, the Yara Floor Wonder Woman, um... Andy Curry, Aquawoman. Mm-hmm. Plus, they could bring in other guest stars from elsewhere in the future state world. It mm-hmm. could be more of like a, a wide spanning, like it doesn't have to just be Gotham, you know? Yep. Um, but the main spot, the main sort of standout characters from future state, we're going to continue to see in the present anyway, like Yara Floor and yep. Jace Fox and so on. Like they're they're getting a lot of coverage in the main, you know, and John Kent, obviously, but they're getting a lot of coverage in the. Now that we've returned back to the present, we're going to be seeing a lot more of them, too. So we'll still continue to see them. But I feel like in, in a lot of ways, the the world that they set up with Future State being the focus of like dozens of books over, you know, a relatively concentrated period of time, only a couple of months. But I feel like they really fleshed out a lot of aspects of that world. And I'm glad we're going to continue to see mm-hmm. see more of it there. Mm-hmm. Um, Milestone. So Milestone Comics, which, of course, was the um, sort of all minority characters and largely by black creators Mm -hmm. um comic book imprint uh that Dwayne mcduffie dennis cohen um reginald hudlin a bunch of other um black creators 
created like what, 20, 25 years ago now, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, we knew that it was making a comeback. They announced at the DC Fandom event, they gave some specifics that they'd be doing some digital series to sort of kick things off. Now we know more about what's happening. Um, later this month, in fact, I think next week, we're getting a, um, a digital reprint, an expanded digital version of a one-shot that was released a few months ago uh, in print for, for free. It was just like a promotional thing. We didn't really have access to it. Now they're releasing that in an expanded version digitally that reintroduces some of these characters. And then we're going to get sort of a rotating uh, digital series. So they're going to do like six issues about static mm-hmm. by one creative team. Mm-hmm. And then they'll stop for a while, like sort of a seasonal approach. Mm-hmm. So we'll get a little static mini series and then they'll do like an icon series and mm-hmm. then they'll do a hardware series or whatever and come back and do more static or whatever. Mm-hmm. But once a week, we'll get a new series focusing on a milestone character, a few in a row about one character and then moving on. And that'll be how they'll start to introduce it. But they have bigger plans than just... Um, one digital issue a week they're going to be doing graphic novels and other stuff um also but it seems like this is just one more instance of them taking stuff that like this is a major initiative to bring back milestone the fact that they're they're doing it digital first Mm -hmm. the digital first stuff largely up to now has been sort of like oh it's this is like a an Sides like a side story, like you know, deceased or injustice, or like mm-hmm. those are those are big brands for DC, but they're not like main DC universe stuff. They're not like one of the main lines. Mm-hmm. But this this seems like all the milestone stuff is being pushed digital first now, and it's not meant to be like second class citizen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a way of getting it to more people, I suppose. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. But yeah, so milestones coming back in a big way very very soon. Awesome. Um, this I don't think anybody saw coming. Um. There were, I don't know if you were aware of this, but DC has done a couple of different sort of relaunches of classic TV versions of their characters, not just like Batman The Adventures Continue, which is something we read recently, bringing back like Paul Dini and, and right. um, Alan Burnett to the, the animated version. But they did a bunch of Batman 66 comics oh. a few years ago, focusing obviously on the Adam West, Burt Ward version of the characters. Uh-huh. Um, they did some Wonder Woman stories, Wonder Woman, whatever it was. I don't even know what year that was, 75, 76, something like that. Uh-huh. It was the 70s, right? Um, or was it the 80s? When did when was the Linda Carter Wonder Woman? I don't even remember. It was in the 70s. Was it the 70s? Yeah. Um, so they've done stuff like this before, but they haven't really done anything, anything in a while. And there were a couple of, you know, big, he's like, okay, well, if you're doing this, there's a couple of other ones that would seem like really obvious ways to go that they just... For, and But these things are hard to do because you've got to get – it's not just like, oh, well, it's Batman. We have the rights to Batman. We can do Batman. You have to go to like Adam West's estate and you have to go to Burt Ward because you need permission to use their likenesses and the logos. And, you know, like right. – And it's it's DC and Warner Brothers ostensibly owns all of that. But there's more there's more deals that have to be made. Yep. They can't just do like, oh, we're going to do another Batman series. Yeah, but you've got to get all – you've got to get all these clearances, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's not as easy as all that. Um, but just this week, they announced two new projects, Batman 89, uh-huh. returning to the Michael Keaton, specifically the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton version of Batman, con- doing a, a explicit continuation of the first two Tim Burton Batman movies. So disregarding Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and continuing the Michael Keaton, Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne story from those two movies with art by Joe Quinones, who's awesome, did mm-hmm. the art for um, Dial H for Hero. Right. And written by Sam Hamm, who was one of the screenwriters on the original Tim Burton movies. Right. So they got the original writer back 30 years later to continue that story. Right. And the art looks awesome. It's like, you know, the, the sort of curly-haired, bespectacled Bruce Wayne, Michael Keaton. Right. right. So Batman 89 and the Holy Grail, Superman 78, continuing uh-huh. the stories of the Christopher Reeve Superman. 
um, written by Robert Venditti, who's done a bunch of stuff we loved, Hawkman, Freedom Fighters, but most specific to this, he did those wonderful um, digital Superman stories. Mm -hmm. Remember, we picked a bunch of those for like our favorite short stories last year and so on. There was one where you fought Metallo and there's a couple of other. Do you remember like the the Superman, I forget what it was called, Superman, Man of Tomorrow mm -hmm. or something, but there was a weekly digital Superman series for a while, for, for a few months, you know, maybe six or seven months ago. And they were just great little remember what I was talking like these would be great like episodes of a Superman cartoon yeah. they were just perfect little Superman stories and they had so much heart right yeah he's writing it oh um so this is gonna and you see the the you see the art and it looks like Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder and so oh on like my. so they're gonna they're doing this Batman 89 and Superman 78 uh -huh. those will be coming out digital obviously digitally it's the kind of thing that the digital sure. stuff was made for um soon I think I think in a in a next month maybe um so I'm really excited about that so there's going to be a lot of digital stuff coming out soon. And then the last thing is, this is sort of a funny thing. Um, the DC Universe Infinite app, which is like their comics subscription service, like their DC's Netflix of yeah. comics. We've talked about it before. Yep. They've said before when they relaunched DC Universe as DC Universe Infinite that they weren't just going to become like a clearinghouse for six-month-old and older comics. They were going to have exclusive comics content on there also. Mm -hmm. And they just came out with the first exclusive exclusive comic. comic which is something called let them live and what it is is basically old stories that not old but stories that a varying age i think the the couple that they've done so far have just have you know were, were written and drawn a few within the past few years but like within the rebirth era there were stories that were commissioned but never saw print for one oh, reason or another because okay. the series was canceled prematurely or sometimes you have like what's called an inventory story i'm not sure if you're familiar with no. this but um they might say like, "Oh, you and you give it, uh, do a Nightwing story, so that if the regular creative team on Nightwing falls behind, yep. we can just plug in a fill-in issue." You right. you read ones like this, sure. you probably didn't know the term. Where it's like, "Oh, it turns out like a Jeff John Shazam series had a couple of these because okay. he was because he and Dale Eagles from the artists were running late. Do you remember? Yeah. And so there'd be like a Shazam issue that doesn't wasn't had part of the Jeff John Shazam with... story. It was just a one-off. And then next month you'd go back to the main Shazam story. Right. right. Those are like inventory issues that had probably been commissioned years ago and just sat in a drawer until they needed them to fill a gap in the right, schedule. Right. So there's a Nightwing story and a Suicide Squad story. And what they're doing is they're releasing these as DC Universe Infinite exclusives with new a new framing sequence for in each issue by Ambush Bug, who's like you know, you've probably seen him once or twice. He was in an episode of Brave and the Bold. He's like the Deadpool of the DC Universe because oh, he's okay. aware that he's a comic book character. And he has like, mass he can just like teleport here and there and like breaks okay. the fourth wall and he's like a humor character. Um, so he he's like working in the DC offices and he uncovers these stories and then you read the story and then there's another one page at the end. Uh-huh. Um, so they've given them these sort of fun framing sequences, a way of sort of contextualizing them within this new format. But they're basically like inventory stories. But they're, you know, the, the Nightwing one that just came out, I haven't read it yet, but it's by like a great creative team. It was by people that did really good Nightwing stories a while ago. It's just for whatever reason, this one didn't see print. So that's the first thing we're seeing from them. So I thought wow. that was sort of a cool idea. Like you've got these stories sitting around. Why yeah. not put them on the service and use it to get people a bit more excited about it? Because it, it's not going to make any money for you just sitting in a drawer. That's true. And what are you going to, are you going to publish it as just some random Nightwing one shot? Yeah. Like nobody would buy because what is this random, you know, like, yeah, you know, exactly. you're not going to get any hype behind that. Just no. here's a random Nightwing issue, you know, like right. no market, there's no way to market that really. But you put it on the service and people start talking about, oh, now there's exclusive stuff on the service and right. you get more people to read it. So, yeah. so that's, that's cool. cool. So those some, that's some DC, some DC stuff coming that's out soon. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. So should we move on to our comics of the week? I'm ready. So what was your comic of the week? Can't for the two, life two, of me remember. Two weeks ago. I it think was it was Hellblazer. Hellblazer Rise and Fall number three. Yeah, it was the final issue of the 
three-part story that we were reading. <laughs> um, now, let me try to rattle my brain, because if you had asked me last week, I would have been able to tell you, but I did not refresh ghost, my memory. Ghost of the kid, ghost of the oh, kid that John yes. was responsible for his death yes. when he was comes back, possesses... Basically, the ending issue was as cathartic and satisfying. Or rather, a demon possesses his body. Yeah, Satan's demon, there. Mm-hmm. Demon possesses his body. Somehow, his soul is still attached to this body, but the body hasn't aged, which is, brings up lots of questions, because you think that the boy washed up on the shore, you know, however, 15 years ago or whatever it is in Constantine's uh, world. I can't remember. It was at least 10 years ago, but I think it was closer to like 15, maybe even 20. So this kid hasn't aged. So I have questions, but then again, demon logic. So whatever. Um, Anyway, so uh, this guy is, uh, hmm, this demon is obsessed with basically controlling empires, which is kind of a fun and a very dark uh, motive for a demon. Um, so they, they, they go in through, like, they're doing basically like this massive chess game to, uh, toy with the world powers that be, and wherever the money goes, that's usually where this demon can be found, because money controls everything, and so, um, you know, he's been, he's been killing off people strategically, he's been aligning assets, and he's been aligning control, and, like, government powers are, like, nothing to him, and it's just, it's fun to watch, uh, that, that demon strategize and talk about those strategies, but at the same time, we see our characters, too, um, what was, what was the young lady's name that, uh, had, uh, Ali? No. um, I don't remember. His other childhood friend who's a police officer Yeah, Yeah, the one that he was working with. So you get closure on that uh, relationship as well. I think I'm just going to call her Ali because I don't remember her her name. Um, Yeah, so... Mm, you get a resolution on that they it's they have funny banter and funny writing that kind of comes back to earlier jokes and a previous history shared between them then you've got satan somehow helping because he knows that in order to beat this giant demon uh john constantine has to be sort of at his best and genuinely happy which is a funny thing to write what a brilliant bit of writing to write the most crotchety unhappy sardonic person ever the one thing that could make him at least momentarily happy which is closure and resolution with his old man with his father who he hated for a long time because his father was a rat b-word to him most of his life um because he blamed him for his mother's death when he was born and you get closure on that so and then you also get closure on the poor poor uh, old old officer that got killed um, because he's floating around like a ghost now full of regret from an age-old case that he was unable to help I can't remember why it wasn't ineptitude it was part ineptitude but also part lack of action on his part when he had an opportunity to help this young girl and so she wound up dying um, and he just carried that burden of regret for the rest of his career and the rest of his life. And it prevented him from crossing over. Like Constantine freed him, but he just wasn't going anywhere. He's like, mm, I can't, I can't really move on. He's like, oh man, you've got something over here on your conscience, don't you? And he explains this case. And then you get resolution on that case too. And he finds the ghost girl and they both cross over together. And it's really nice. And I don't know, all the ducks were lined up really, really nicely. It was a very cathartic, very interesting fun read and so that's why I had to pick it and I haven't changed it since because we've read a bunch of good stuff since then I could honorable mention from here until the cows come home honestly y'all need to be reading some DC comics I'm serious but um but this one remained on the top of the pile for three weeks straight because it was just that good so what'd you pick 
I, <laughs> that was a quick segue. What would you pick? <laughs> I picked Future State Swamp Thing number two, the uh-huh. conclusion of this little two-issue story. I thought this was a great sort of like post-apocalyptic. I think I picked the first issue too yeah, um, the did. previous month. Sort of a great little post-apocalyptic environmentalist mm-hmm. message story. Um, but this has like a really interesting high concept ending where yeah. the world's going to end. Like the sun's been blotted out basically by this by this plot by, you know, the remains of humanity and conspiring with the with what's left of the Floronic Man to like use obsidian to, to blot out the sun. Mm-hmm. And Swamp Thing basically sacrifices not just himself, but also the entire race of like plant people that he's created, like his children and all their descendants. That's how much how much he cares for humanity and wants mm-hmm. to give them a chance to survive, mm-hmm. even if it's in this weird, you know, sunless, cold world that they probably have almost no chance of surviving. But mm-hmm. the fact that there is any chance is enough to make him sacrifice his entire lineage, which is pretty dark. But yeah. Um, so he does that, but he his his what remains of him becomes this this tree that they can survive because I guess there's some residual heat in there, and they can grow things in there, and right. so they can eke out some sort of existence. Because until... it was the tree, not only that, but the tree was high enough to reach through, punch through the the cloud covering. Yeah, so it could and grow. so it could get some. Sunlight. I'm not sure that would really help yeah. them getting getting much heat, but the tree itself could grow, I guess. Right. Um, well, it was big enough that they could build caverns in and under the tree. Yeah. And then however many years later, it's unclear, you know, the, the, their fashions have changed. So it's unclear whether it's 10 years later or a thousand years later. But when the when the clouds finally break and the people come out again, like the legend of the swamp thing persists and so on, mm-hmm. and humanity's now able to rebuild. I mean, it's a very it's a very sort of high concept um, sci-fi kind of ending, but it was a great little... I think we've read a few Swamp Thing stories recently that have those kind of like... You know, like this this mm-hmm. clearly could not exist in any sort of continuity with anything else. Like no. the, the Mark Russell Swamp Thing digital series was the same way. Remember where the, the corrupt president and his yeah. cronies went to the bunker oh, and they came down so and Earth had become a Swamp Thing paradise. And right. like they'd been down there for 10 years because they thought the world was going to end. Right. Um, Swamp Thing really lends himself to those kinds of like, you know, there's no way this is compatible with any other DC Universe story, but it makes for like a really high concept, yep. you know, environmentalist ending. So I really enjoyed that. And this this writer, Ram V, who's, who's, who wrote this and is currently writing, who wrote the last few arcs of Justice League Dark and is currently writing Catwoman, he and the same artist, Mike Perkins, are doing the new Swamp Thing series, which premieres next week, too. Yep. Focusing on a new Swamp Thing, not Alec Holland. It's going to be a brand new character oh, wow. that, that gets his A powers. different avatar. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Which they, has been tried before. They've and, mentioned it in a couple of different Spawn things, like that it, that the the green has had. Well, more there's than been one many avatar. avatars, sure. sure, but it's one of those things where, like, sometimes some a writer will come along. I'm going to do my own Swamp Thing, and then you know, after a couple of years, they just bring Alec Holland back. It's the same with it like Doctor Fate, or like, like it was always Khalid for a while, and then of course Kent Nelson came back. Now it's Khalid again, but who knows? You know, like the original versions so good tend to have some Kent sort Nelson, of like power I mean, that you know. Khalid is so good. The the writers usually end up bringing back the classic versions eventually, but even if this just ends up being like a 12 issue story about this one new character and then he's not seen again or whatever i'm still right based on the merits of this these two issues i think they could do a really interesting job if they just if they have no no limits or expectations of what you know an alec holland swamp thing story is like and they can do whatever they want with it you know right so i'm looking forward to that yeah so should we move on to your activity i'm ready so i thought we'd do a sequel to last time which if you've forgotten was rate the supporting recurring mcu characters so, so last week we did characters like jimmy woo and and darcy lewis okay this week i've got five other characters okay, okay? we'll see how many of these i even know well you, i think you know all these characters all right so pietro maximoff Ooh, okay. good one mm-hmm. odin oh. you've heard of odin he was in all the papers <laughs> okoye yeah. which is denai guerrero's character you know from walking dead the the bald um Bla- oh yes, war- yes. Leader of the warrior, she's female the warrior tribe. Yeah, she's yeah. the general of the um, Black Panther. Yeah, in Black Panther. Yeah. Hank Pym. 
Okay. And General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, William Hurt's character from Incredible Hulk and then later the, the Avengers movies when he was Secretary of State. Oh. General Ross? I gave you his Wait, name, what? his role, what movies he appeared in, and the name of the actor that played him. There's not really much more I can do for you. What's his name? Thaddeus Ross? General, oh, oh, General, General Ross. Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, yes. General Ross. Yes. So, okay. Ross. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 okay. He's a jerk, but okay. I mean, that's how you're supposed to feel also, about him. Also, he's going to be in Black Widow, so we'll be seeing more of him. Yep, awesome. So what is, what's your, what's what's my your rating, rating for these okay, so Pietro Maximoff. Um, he is the actual really... Pietro Maximoff, not whatever, not whatever we're watching now in Wandavision, which right. may or may not be some version of him, <laughs> as we'll talk about later. Right. Um, I'm gonna give him a five because it was really, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm giving pretty much everybody fives. I'm very generous with my point ranking systems, just because he's so, he was very well rounded. I thought. I mean, you didn't need a lot of backstory. They didn't spend a lot of time on the character. Given it's not like he was the star of the movie, so. Given that expectation, with the screen time that he had, his character was really well developed, and his motives were well developed. His, um, his, hmm, how should I say, his morals were really well developed, and he just had the the most interesting arc while still maintaining his original personality um, to a degree. And I just thought it was so clever because he was he was really, really good and it was heartwarming to see him and it was really devastating to see his end. Um, so yeah, no, I, I really liked this character as he was in the movies. And yeah, so that's why he gets a five from me. What about Odin? Odin? Are you freaking kidding me? Anthony Hopkins could read a freaking dictionary or an encyclopedia backwards in Greek, and I would sit there and just just listen. I would just listen. Um, so obviously, Odin is just one of my favorites. He's really, really good. There were there were times when the character uh, was written in a bit of confusing manner, but that that's more of the flaw of the writing of the films, not so much uh, even the character flaw of Odin's. So I would say I, I I give him a five as well. What about Okoye? Oh, she's the best. Are you kidding? She gets a five also. <laughs> How can you not give her such a powerful house? Like she's she's just a powerhouse. She needs more more than just powerhouse. She's powerful house. <laughs> um, she's wonderful. Um, she's strong. She's smart. She's clever. She's driven. She's funny when they go on the mission where it's just him, Black Panther, and um, I forget her name. It starts with an N. Naye or something. Nakia or something. Right. The the you know will they won't they love interest um, for for. Yeah, for, I haven't seen Black that movie in, in, a, in a while. I think it's Nakia. I can't remember. But when they went to South Korea for into the into that casino for their for their mission, I mean, I'm remembering that. She's wearing the wig. She uses it as a weapon, which is such great writing and choreography. Unbelievable. Um, the actress herself is like really, really fit and dedicated and fantastic. And I just really love her all 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 the time. Every time she appears on screen, I'm like, yay. <laughs> what about what about Hank Pym? Um, he's hilarious. Yeah, he gets a five too. <laughs> oh my god, I'm such a fan. Maybe once we work our way down the list of like, uh, oh, the guy that opened the door for Captain America in yeah. that one scene, then someone will get less than a then five. Then I'll just get a question mark. You know, they'll just I'll get the I'll give them the benefit of the I doubt really by not giving them. I believed the way he believed, opened that door. I, like, I bought it, and it the door told got you so opened. So much about who he was as a person. Not only that, but he was successful in the opening of the door, which you got to give him credit for. You know, given these hard times and these heavy doors. You the know? Star Trek blooper reels have told us, t- shown us anything <laughs> is that sometimes it's very hard to open, open a door. Open a door, yeah. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Um, no, Hank, Hank Pilm is hilarious. I love the way he was written. I just, yeah, of course. How can I not give him a five? What are you talking about? Like, what is, what, what are we even talking about here? He might actually be my, I mean, I'll, I'll rank them after I, after, oh, after you rank all of them, but he might actually be my favorite part of those movies. Like, I, I, Paul, Paul I'm just giving them ratings. I'm not, I can't put them in order. I mean, Paul Rudd is, no, I'm not asking you to, okay. to rank them. I'm just saying, like, in, in the Ant Man movies, like, I like Paul Rudd and everything, and I think Scott Lang is a fun character, you know, and I enjoy all the characters in those movies, but Hank Pym might be my favorite character in those movies. Like, the yeah. crotchet the old guy who's just he doesn't really want to want to be part of any of this but it's just like he's invested for one reason or another for personal reasons usually, right you know he's got to put up with all these weirdos who are yeah you know who, yeah. who are making life harder for him what about uh, what about general ross so for him i can't give him a five because i don't really feel like in all of his appearances that we really know more, much about him he serves the role that he is given to, to be fair do you know do you know much more about okoye than you do about general ross i think it's more of a question of how i think much you of an get more of a glimmer that's true i think you get more of a glimmer of who she is like she first off woman general who built like at a fairly young age must have built herself up to um and climb the ladder really quickly to ascend to the rank of general which is fantastic and it's it shows how proficient and professional and skilled and competent I mean, she is so Ross that's is literally really a general like also so you can say the same thing about it <laughs> literally it, the i don't same know thing the him. rankings in the military are a little I, bit squishier I, and he's older he's way I older I and he's an old white you. guy so i disagree got... with you a little bit in the sense that maybe <laughs> after that first hulk movie i would have agreed with you although even there you know that it's 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 always the same in the in the classic Hulk stories. It yeah. was always the same always the same note with him, which is that he loves his daughter yep. and he's torn apart by the fact that she's in love with Bruce Banner, who is also the Hulk. So he sees it as his military duty to 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 stop the Hulk, but at the same time, he yeah. doesn't want to like completely you know alienate his daughter or right. break her heart or anything right and you got all that in his first appearance yep. but again that's like the same note that is always hit with him in any hulk story but then later when he showed up again i don't think anybody really expected to see him again after yeah. that because they for a long time they weren't bringing back anybody from that hulk right movie. now we're getting the abomination again in the she hulk series so yep. i have to think we're going to see Liv tyler again at some let point. me put it but they find hold on let me oh let me, i'm sorry they did they brought him back and i feel like although it was kind of the same note a little bit in civil war where he's like he was you mm -hmm. know trying to trying to capture all the superheroes and so on it was more like he was a secretary of state at this point and he like came to the avengers and he's like look you guys have done a lot of good like i'm not here to shut you down or anything but you have to understand the world has changed and like right. he, him taking more of it and he has that great speech where he's like oh i had this heart attack when i was playing golf and it made me reevaluate my life and my priorities and so on and It'd be interesting if we see like, oh, maybe he actually did like patch things up with his daughter at some point. Right. Like he never had any interactions with Hulk in any of those later movies, which is a bit of a missed opportunity. So we don't really know how they what that stand. would be like. Yeah. Um, he'd be another person that would make a lot of sense to trot out for the She-Hulk series. Of course, it's going to be more of a comedy. So I'm not sure how much they're going to want to go into like the family drama of all this. But mm. they are. Well, I guess he's not related. To, he's he's She-Hulk is related to Hulk. So, you know, there there is there is that connection there. But anyway, um yeah, I feel like seeing him come back and then seeing him uh, trying to sort of ride that line in a, in a different way and seeing him like a, a sort of like a quieter, less blustery version of the character trying to be a bit more conciliatory, but still being like complete a complete hardliner when it came to like enforcing the letter of the law and, you know, doing his job. I thought that that gave him more shades there too. So I feel like, and just by the virtue of the fact that we've seen him 
more times in more different circumstances. I feel like I have a better feel for him than I do for some of these other characters who were literally only in one movie. Now, Okoye was in, I guess, two or three movies by this point, right? But she was really only an important character in one, and Pietro was only in one movie. So right. I might I might have to rank him a little higher. So I, just, I guess I just disagree that I feel like I've, we've seen, I feel like we've seen a fair number of sides from him. The same number we saw from, say, Odin, right? We saw him you know, Odin the king, right? Mm-hmm. The warrior, the defender of Asgard, yeah. and Odin the parent. And right. similarly, we've seen Ross, you know, doing his job as a military general or secretary of state. Right. But then also his more tender side as a father. We could see from the Hulk movie, he really did care about his daughter, but he wasn't above, yep. you know, like using her relationship to do X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, it's not a particularly admirable character. But. No. Um, I feel like if you were to pit general versus general another reason why i'm such a big fan of okoye versus ross over ross is because you can see them in battle you've seen them in battle he's the one in the back of the army with the microphone telling people what to do she's the one in the front yeah. leading the charge she's also, and that's she's so a, much cooler she's also less than half his age i mean it's not like he was yeah. he probably wasn't riding a desk for his entire career but once you become a general you're not actually out there firing the guns anymore you no really but i mean you can still him. ascend to the rank of general in um in conditions uh i mean serving in the army with no wartime experience well, if you can look, if you consider his age, I'm sure he fought in the Middle East, and if I'm sure he fought in a bunch of other places. I don't. I'm, I'm not sure why you would make presumptions. I don't about know. His specific I mean, yeah. Military but still, it's just it's different. Like she's a different general than he's a different general. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I just see what I see. Like because she gives people orders ahead of time, and then she goes into the battle as. Uh, that's not normally with a, a general. I agree with you. That's what she does, but that's sort of a an, an odd. I don't know. I reading always, of general. You know, I don't know. I think them, I've got the Amazonian plans, principles uh, down. You know, like she, Wonder Woman said in the movie, she said, "This is this is very strange. Like you're from the, you're 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 sending these people to their deaths uh, from behind a cushy office and a desk, uh, instead of leading your people into battle like a noble noble um, leader would do. You know, like you you're." making decisions about other people's lives that you would never undertake yourself yeah, I like, know what you, mean. you know what i mean so so what would you give ross i i think honestly given his some de- development 4.9 no i'd give him a my four. lowest my lowest grade ever well he's get, he's gonna get a four like up until the the parts where he, you get a little bit more uh character development from him a little bit more um just discussion with him like you get a little more desk time when he's actually like presenting the accords and discussing the uh merits of it and everything else um you don't really see a lot of the characters so uh, it bumped up from a three to a four in the last movie so in the last movie that he was in so yeah last movie that he was in when he was standing still for the one shot in the in, in avengers endgame at you know Tony, the one Tony's i funeral. mean you know yes haha you're saying so anything? hilarious yes no, the one before that where he actually talks. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do much in that one. I think Civil War is, is the... Okay, is so that's what I'm thinking of. Whatever. <laughs> that was like 10 movies ago, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I think I would give I would give Pietro probably a four. Just Why? because. Why? Well, what? Because he was only... I mean, he was in the one movie. That's he was it. only on screen I'm for leaving. like t- 10, 15 minutes total. I, I it's, it's hard for me to give a character a perfect five unless I feel like I, I have a lot more... I, I see them a lot more and get to know them a lot better. 
Odin, I'd probably give a five just because over the course of those three movies, he had like this oh, nice yeah, arc and we did. saw mm-hmm. like his rise Beautiful. and fall, basically. Okoye, I'd probably give like a three or a four just because just for just I feel like I don't know anything. You, you learn about her character in terms of like how she reacts to things and what she does. But I just feel like I don't know her terribly well yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Hank Pym, I think I'd have to give a five just because like Michael Douglas just brings so much to that role. And you see like, you know, his relationship with his daughter, how he felt about losing his wife, getting getting her back, being like a reluctant mentor to, to Scott Lang, right? dealing with scott's ridiculous (laughs) friends right being like a former superhero being a scientist having this like hate relationship with the starks like being forced to go on the run because of the accords right you know all this there's so much just over two movies he's had so many different things going on and of course you know he's just got this great sort of warm fatherly presence no matter how prickly he Mm -hmm. is because he's michael douglas right yeah in general ross i think i'd also have to give a four just for the for the same but again like like you say i feel like yeah obviously we don't know a ton about him and he hasn't gotten a ton of growth but, you know, that's not the kind of thing you're necessarily looking for in a great supporting character. They're there to serve a very specific role right. in the movie. He's there as like the general Sam Lane of the Marvel Universe, right? He's yeah. like the big military antagonist who is like yep. almost to the point of irrationality never believes that the heroes are there to do any good, right? Like right. that's his role in those movies. Yeah. And I think like he's great in that role. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So should we move on to to our shows? Yeah. So we've got a few episodes of Batwoman. We've got a couple of episodes, including the season premiere of Black Lightning. And then we've got a few more episodes of WandaVision. Yep. We could so, just basically fly through all of these. Well, so, I mean, yeah, probably WandaVision the most to talk about. But oh, so, yeah. so Batwoman, these past couple of episodes, we had Fair Skin, Blue Eyes, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of I'm trying to think of how you would describe this. It was almost I kind of felt like a very special on this weekend, a very special episode of Batwoman, kind of like, right? Because this is the one where we learn about one more terrible trauma. that, that Yeah. Right, as if like... As if her five different mothers dead, you know, prison, (laughs) loss of loved ones, whatever else, you know, persecuted, brought in for crime she didn't commit, homeless, no job, right? Now we learn that she was kidnapped and held for however long at a very, very young age, and nobody came to look for her except, you know, this one girl who we then later learn is like, you know, the girl she fell in love with later, and, you know, they got in a relationship as adults. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that and you know she comes back and she has she gets her revenge on this woman and beats her and then she saves the the young boy who was also kidnapped yep. in the modern day mm-hmm. and she has Uncovers this, this ring. moment where like Jacob Kane kind of gets more of a feel for who she is and maybe learns to like accept her a little bit because he saves his life and moreover he sees how she saves his life. she saves his yeah. life and then he sees how she is with this kid right she came to save this kid and so that earns his respect a little bit. I wonder if they're kind of going for like maybe I'm reading too much into it maybe they're not putting this much thought into it but I wonder if like. Jacob, although he didn't like intellectually realize that Kate was the first Batwoman, if on some level he like there was some level of like familiarity there that caused him to like push back against this bat, uh, the first Batwoman, right? Like, Uh but he very clearly he has no relation to this new Batwoman, right? Right, and moreover, having seen what happened to Kate and sort of maybe learning reflecting on how he could have treated her differently, we're going to see him be a lot more. Maybe not a lot more, but like gradually perhaps a bit, a bit more. more accepting of this new Batwoman. Yeah, right? I think so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was a good episode. And then the one we just watched the other night, Gore on Canvas, which mm-hmm. was not about uh, former presidential hopeful Al Gore uh, <laughs> being used as paint, uh-huh. but rather was about uh, Kate, Kate, sorry, <laughs> um, force of habit, Ryan infiltrating this weird um, airport-based yeah. crim- criminal art auction. Um to get this painting, which so I'm, I I've kind of feel like I've lost the thread a little bit here. So, Kate had a fo- let me see if I've got this right. Kate had a photo on her phone, yes. which was recovered from the crash. Yes, that she had like 
taken a note on that yep. indicated that this painting by Jack Napier, who would later go on to become the Joker, yeah. had something to do with Sophia. And so yes. they think that that the painting now contains a map to Coriana. And yes. so that's why they're trying to get the paint. Do I have all this right? Yes. What? They discovered that the painting underneath, like the unbeknownst to Napier at all. Right, like, but known to at us. First, but known to us. Um, he basically splattered guts all over this painting. That what happened are the odds to be, of that? Yeah, that and, happened to be a painting of Coriana. Is this version of the Joker like an art-based criminal? Is that what we, or was it like no. that, those crimes he committed before he became the Joker? Uh, those are crimes before he became the Joker. So he was going around murdering people and splattering their guts yeah. on their paintings before he became the Joker? Yes. That's a little odd. Like normally, even in the versions where he's a criminal before he becomes the Joker, he's more of like a mob crony kind of guy, like in the Tim Burton movies. where well, he's there like, was one version that we read that he was an assassin that took pleasure in his job. A little bit of an assassin, but he's still more like like a, a by the numbers, punching the clock, kind of like, okay, I'm just in this for the money because it pays well. It's, he's not like a, with some weird sadist psychopath until he becomes the Joker usually, right? Yeah, um, at any rate. But I didn't I, think do you, th- you feel like they got this art thing from that one scene in the Tim Burton movie where he comes into the oh, art museum yeah. and they're playing the Prince music and he's got the boom box and no. they're like splattering paint everywhere? That's the know. only scene the Joker has ever had that I can think of that had anything to do with paintings. I, I that's an interesting but that's such a that's such an iconic scene in that movie yeah. right i gotta think that's where they got it from at uh-huh. any rate and then we meet this new character who for the life of me i'm trying to remember their alter ego and i'm like is it is it iron wolf spider i'm like is it iron it's... spider is it night monkey no. is it monkey spider wolf is it spider wolf spider because i'm like no night monkey <laughs> was no. from the spider-man movie iron spider was also from the spider-man movie <laughs> Wait, wolf spider. Is that a thing? Is that the name of a spider, yeah. a wolf spider? I, yeah, the, it is a name of a... Is it also the name of a wolf? No. Okay. It's just the name of a type of spider. It's okay. a very shaggy kind of tarantula-esque spider, but it's small. Okay. All right. So so he... So they... What, what pronouns? He said he, she, or them, they, No, right? he said he, him, they, them, I go with the flow. Right. That's so that makes my that life question. incredibly difficult now. So I'm not quite sure what to, well, what to could, refer to them as. He goes, I guess it doesn't matter, right? He, he takes him, he, him. So you. Well, he said it could be either. Him. So I'm not quite sure which one to use. Regardless, we'll say he. Um, we learned that it's this guy that Kate was friends with growing up mm-hmm. that helped come out. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's had some like nefarious dealings with the art world. And, and Jacob and Sophie try to use him to get information on Kate. Right. Um, it turns out he's this great art thief. And he's kind of in it for the lols, you know, like creating this giant neon emojis on the top yeah. of buildings and stealing he's, paintings. He's not an art. He's not just an art thief. He actually only wanted to steal this painting for... Um, for the lols, basically. No, to, like, not stick the, it to the man. No, he he literally, he overheard you didn't pay attention. You He overheard the conversation between Batwoman and Oh, he and was trying to Sophie, help Kate, yeah. And he was trying to, he yeah, literally yeah, he said, I was, I wanted, I, I the was giant, to help The giant Kate. emoji on the top of the building was more for the lols, though. That, that was, was for the general lols. Modus that was for the lols. No, because he, he said himself. Like, yes, I remember that. What, I remember what, now. what was the, what's the modern version of it? Oh, my gosh. The people with the light brights in Boston did this. With the light brights. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, I know you can do like right. sort of art installations by doing things that light up on the side of buildings. It's like you play a right. Pac-Man game on the side of a building or I've seen like stuff like that. Like his sardonic commentary on, well, everybody really. Um. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's he's trying to sort of Ugh, do like a can't remember modern art, sort of like pop art installation, sort of modern equivalent it's of graffiti. Like, kind it's of. not yeah, it's not pure vandalism because he doesn't actually destroy anything. He just puts up 
like projections that everybody, everybody, everybody can see of of just funny things. And uh, you know, although they didn't exactly highlight like that opening establishing shot of the city, it's like the emoji thing is like way deep. The building is like yeah, way they deep didn't in the spend background. A lot of time in you there. know what you know what they did? It's because they only have. It's like you yeah. saw this in Gotham. Gotham had like three establishing shots of yeah. that city, right? Yeah. You know, there's the one that goes this way. Yeah. The one that goes this way, right? And the one that sweeps. So they had the yeah. one establishing shot of whatever city is standing in for Gotham, New York, Vancouver, whatever skyline that is, right? Yeah. And they're like, okay, we, we got to find a place to put this emoji on a building, but we don't have, we only have this one establishing shot of the skyline. Pick a so building. This, we got to do that building right. there, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, these were good episodes. It's good to see Ryan, um, you know, stepping up a bit more right. and gaining more confidence. Yep. Um, and I yeah. think she was right too. I think the in- interesting relationship building between Luke and uh, Ryan was nice because yeah, that she was found nice. out their their common distrust and distaste Although for Luke, the crows. Luke was really selling the crows a little short there by saying yeah. the crows killed his father. It's like a couple of crooked crows were involved in the murder of his father. It's yeah. not like the crows organization put out a hit on Lucius yeah, Fox. Exactly, you know, that's a exactly. little but you could see if he's still coming from a place of anger, yada yada yada. Yeah. The one thing that I was a little puzzled by is in the opening scene where uh we see that Ryan the second episode where Ryan has clearly just had a, a night of you know, passion with his her, her ex-girlfriend, yeah. right? And then her ex-girlfriend sees the terrible, sucking, green, glowing wound on Ryan's shoulder in the morning that Ryan... Where were you yesterday? Yeah, yeah. you didn't notice that last, last night? night? Like, yeah. first, okay, maybe it was dark, but still, like, you, you, if you go anywhere near it and Ryan recoils in instant right. pain, yeah. right? Like, you didn't notice that last night, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Black, Black Lightning, so these are the first couple of episodes, so the Book of Reconstruction, chapters one and two, um... I feel like it's being done, the whole Jefferson hitting rock bottom mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's being done well enough. And obviously, Cress Williams is acting it very well. Yep. And it's being written well enough. But I've, I feel like I've read read and seen too many stories of like, oh, the hero, particularly, you know, I, maybe it's not, not, as me, not as much with superheroes, but like in general, like, oh, yep. the hero, he loses a friend or he fails one time. And now he decides, oh, nothing is worth it anymore. I'm going to hang up the cape and right. I'm going to just drink all the time. And it's like... I don't know if I fully buy that from his character. Right. Like from someone whose entire reason for being a superhero had to do with his father dying. And right. like ha- having the life he's had and living where he lives, he's, he must have lost friends before to violence and so on like right. that. Like I understand that this was his lifelong closest friend, a guy that he refers to as his brother. Yeah. I understand that. But I feel like... I think it was different for him has, because he, he, lost, his... he lost people to the city before, but he never lost people to because, the fact, because of the fact that he shared yeah, I know. Black I just, Lightning I'm just with not them. sure that I fully buy it. Like someone who has that really, like he's always been yes. a very passionate, righteous character. Like yeah. I know what's right, right? Yes. Like this is always, like you see it even in the in the other history of the DC Universe comic we read about him a, a couple of months ago. Yes. Like he is he is a righteous man. It's like it's my way or the highway. Like, And we see right. it in this series too with he, he tells his kids yep. how th- this is how you have to be a superhero. No killing. You have to be trained by me. You only go out when I'm, like it's his way or the highway, yep. right? I know what's right. Nobody else does, right? That's like his, yep. his strength and his flaw basically, yep. right? It's his arrogance and his single-minded narrow view mm-hmm. of things have to be, how things have to be, right? The idea that that he could suffer a single setback, no matter how harsh, yep. and be completely taken down by it, maybe like the loss of his wife or one of his kids, maybe, but I don't know. I, I just, it's not that it's being done poorly. I'm just not sure that I buy that there's any one loss that this man, like some some characters, sure, but this man in particular could suffer that would cause him to 
to to retreat within himself this much. I'm just not sure I buy it from Jefferson Pierce because he's right. always been such a such so bullheaded and single minded a purpose yeah. in everything he does. And not know? only that, but I feel like he would prioritize the well being of his daughters who are still out in the thick of it over his yeah, own baggage as well. But like that, he's literally yeah. not going out in the field even though they are. If that's he, if he hung up the Black Lightning his... costume, but mm-hmm. he was still like advising them from Gamby's little back cave and he wasn't like drinking him, drinking every night and right. so on like that, like at least it doesn't seem, at least they've been pretty good about showing that it doesn't seem to be affecting his job performance at the school. Right. It's not like they show him walking in hungover and with his tie loose, you know right, how they would right. do it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's something. They're not showing that he's completely fallen apart. Right. But they are in many ways showing that, like, you know, he electrocutes those cops. He's not super careful about making sure that he's not being recorded, right? Like, he's going yep. up and beating people up yeah. without the costume and not being too careful about not letting them see his face, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly gone, you know, gone off the reservation, as all the other characters are telling him. I'm just not sure I fully I fully buy it. Like, I see what they're doing, I see but it would too. take yeah. more. I feel like you would need more buildup or something to make mm-hmm. me buy that he would... You know, because there are ways to have him hang up the costume but still be involved. Mm-hmm. Like, if dial back the drinking a little bit, show him still wanting to help his daughters but just not willing to go out there himself, right. maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he, like, I don't know what they would do. But I'm not sure that I fully buy it. But, but you I know, agree. I think that the, the episodes are still good. Like, seeing, seeing you know, what Jennifer's going through now, you know, with the, the increased powers, right? And yep. maybe a little bit of the arrogance because of the healing, right? Right. Tobias Whale's new role in the city. That's um, very good. So both Lynn and Anissa now have new jobs with, like, this Medellin mm-hmm. research facility, yep. right? And we see that... I'm not sure that I'm also a big fan of the whole storyline where Lynn is, like, shooting... I understand it's a continuation of the problems she was having last season. Right. But the idea that she's... Like, I can understand doing it, like... If, if like last season she was doing it like to protect her family and to do the research because they literally like had her at gunpoint. She's like, you've got to do research into right. the metagene or else we'll like kill you so on and so forth. But the idea that she's she's injecting herself now not for research reasons but to like go out and be like a pseudo vigilante. I'm not sure if I buy like yeah. I understand she's only doing to protect her daughters because Jefferson won't. Right. But that's like it's logical in that way. But again, I'm not sure I buy it for her. I don't think that it's she would go out up. there. I think she would. I think she would. I actually, um, one thing that I had a gripe with was that she didn't. <laughs> and this is me being kind of a mom that would be a lot more strict with her kids if they ever came up to her and said the piece that they that the two girls said to her, which was the whole stay in your lane scene. I think that Lynn should have stayed tomped them down a lot more firmly than she did she kind of left in a huff but she didn't know she had a lot more grounds like i i would have written that do you agree with her i think that the i think that the daughters were completely right i I think they were completely wrong and very disrespectful as well it's not a question of it's not a question of respect they had to tell her they had to they had to give her some hard truth she has no training she has no experience she has nobody watching her back because nobody knew she was even going out there she could have been shot randomly by some guy in the back and nobody would have even known what happened to her until the next day when they were reading about it you know when jefferson reads about read it about in the paper Right? Yeah, she but that's no again, like... She has no support structure at all. Like, I even think... when the kids went out there, they had Jefferson and Gamby watching their backs. Right. Um, that... It's not a question is, of... This is a part... This it's is only part... so respectfully you can approach that conversation when you've got it... Yeah, when you're talking to someone who's got, like, like substance abuse some... problems and is endangering their own life, you've got See, to give do you them... think a... that it's... It was, subs... pra- it was practically this is, an intervention. This is... Yeah, I know. This that, That's what they were trying to read it as, but I didn't agree with the scene. Not only that, but I think that Lynn herself is, like, a really powerful 
person and i think that she would have stood her ground and stood up for herself and maybe even given some well more enough. reasons i thought I that know. they came in i didn't like they it. thought that they I'm were saying. came in and they were forceful yet still yeah. trying to be respectful like they literally opened by saying like look we're not trying to disrespect you this is coming from a place of us worrying about you and worrying about your safety like you've worried about us for so long but we've got to tell you you know Stay in your you lane. shouldn't <laughs> well, they only they I can't remember if they actually that was like used the those first words. thing that Jennifer said was stay in your yeah, lane. But Jennifer and was, that's when Anissa was like, oh, OK. Yeah, here but we Jennifer's go. going through her own stuff. Yeah. She's, she clearly wasn't fully on board with having this. She comes in. She's like rolling her eyes as she walks in that scene. Yes. Like, I feel like she wasn't even fully on board, but she wants to just say her piece and get out of there. Yeah. Anissa was definitely the one that was trying to be a bit more conciliatory because she's more mature and more experienced in this. Right. In this area to begin yeah. with. Um. But yeah, I didn't have any problems with that scene. But I, I just for for her character, I feel like I, I'm not sure I, I fully buy. Yeah, fully buy that. Um, I have one last one last thing to say is that I don't like how they're treating um, Anissa's character um, in regards to how she feels about um, Maggie. And being at her bedside. Maggie, well, you mean Grace? I'm sorry. Where are you yes, Maggie Grace. From? I have no idea. I really don't. My brain is a very strange place sometimes. What did? Grace. What did they? I, I mean, there was only one scene of her at no. her bedside. No, I mean there were and a couple of scenes scene where she walked in there and she was like a tiger, and then she left again. Right. She's like, nope, you can't deal with this. Um, she is going through an emotional withdrawal because Grace has been in a coma since last season. So basically, she's been in a coma for a year. Um, Lynn is trying to help her come out of the coma, but she, because of the her uh, chameleon um, uh, biochemistry, like the way her body works, like it's absorbing the medication and just kind of not using it the way our bodies would. And so it's not the treatments aren't taking. And so she's still in the coma. Um, and Jennifer, this is this is one weird part. Jennifer is telling uh, Anissa to move on effectively that she she can't be doing this to herself all the time and that she's crying all the time. And I'm like, yes, because that's what you do when somebody you absolutely love is um, bedridden like this. Like, I don't yeah, understand. But Jennifer's, Jennifer's immature. Jennifer's, Jennifer's immature. Uh, has, yes. But Jennifer's, here's the, here's has, my problem. Stop, has stop, always stop. been telling people to do things yes, and not never, never takes her own would never take her own advice. Like, no, and it's not the best she, advice to begin with. She anyway. was exactly the same with Khalil. She couldn't let him go even when right, he was, and that Anissa was way more out. toxic relationship right but here's the thing it's starting to be apparent that that's exactly what anissa wants to do is that she wants to kind of throw in the towel and that's where i have a problem because that's not how their uh, anissa hmm. and grace i didn't is, get that sense i from definitely it. did you get, did. Are you did you get that, that mostly from the one scene where she walked in and she was a, a cat and she said i well, can't deal with that this? one definitely yes but no leading up to it you didn't see all the road signs that they were pointing to when she went out on that uh platonic coffee she's, drink she's gay date. though there's nothing coming from that right no i mean when she went out on that platonic coffee date the the conversation that they were oh, having was about how he had a dog that he wanted to put down and i'm like are you seriously making yeah. an analysis Analogy of grace i guess i wasn't to a dog because that's exactly mm, what they were trying to do i'm not sure if you're i'm i i'm, I'm not, not sure if you're reading too it, much no. into it or i just wasn't paying attention i can see where you would get that subtext from it i'm not i i don't know maybe i i i was i was reading that scene a lot more surface level like oh they're introducing this new friend character for her mm. and she's the scene is about her giving him some life advice no they were i wasn't mm. reading it as being an as a, like also thematically analogous to something she was going that's through. exactly i could see I, how I you would see it, that yeah. yeah maybe maybe i just wasn't thinking about it hard i missed enough. it um and so uh, that's that's why i'm not appreciating it because i think that after everything that grace and she have been through yeah 
Um, if you're, you if just, you're right, and then that does that, seem a little like, out of character Especially for her since Jennifer herself regarded Grace as uh, a member of the family. Like, she approved of their relationship. She knew that they were a solid pair, a, a real thing. And to have Jennifer kind of be all flippant about it, like, yeah, you should give up on this and move on with your life. Wow. Okay. Well, she was thanks. giving her, she was trying to th- throw some cold water in her face. Like she's being a lot more blunt than, than probably she should have been because she was trying to, so like, like the two of them were with Lynn. They were trying right. to sort of like snap them back to reality by giving them up. Yeah. Some and I, I appreciate that that's how it was written. They have a very still, direct, no nonsense relationship with, you, with and each that's other. Cool. No, and that's fine. I don't need the diplomacy. I'm talking about the actual themes yeah. of it. Is that like that? Th- it's not the problem of how she said it. I understand, and I actually really like the con- continuity of her voice. The way Jennifer's character is written is very consistent and very uh, clear. But um, my problem is that she would say that at all because I don't think that that's how Jennifer would feel after everything that she's been through um, and everything she knows about how Anissa feels about Grace. I just, it's not, it's like suddenly she's in a coma for a year and that's enough time to say, all right, think, throw her in the towel. I don't even think that's it's, it, get I don't a new even, one. I don't even think it's supposed to have been a year. Been a year. I think it's yeah, only it supposed to have been six months or something like that, I think they say in the in the premiere. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm not I enjoying. I'm not enjoying this because I just don't feel that it's been, it's true to the strength of the characters that were established in the previous seasons. I just don't think that it's, it, it, it rings yeah. hollow for me. I think that what they wanted to do, and, and I read in an interview, and I was surprised by this because I guess I just had read or, or thought or assumed that this was the final season for creative reasons, like they decided to end the show. Apparently they did apparently there it was basically cancelled. So they didn't know when they were writing the beginning of the season. Hopefully they knew when they were writing the end of the season. Uh, they didn't know when they were writing the beginning of the season that it would be the final season. Right. Um, okay. I think if they had known that, they probably would have done some things differently. But I think pro- what we're looking at here is basically like it's always darkest before the dawn. Like what they're trying to do, and I, I think as we've just said, it's been done a little ham-fistedly, um, is they're trying to sort of put all these characters in like their worst place. And then by the end of the season, like they'll all rise up together again as a family and mm. presumably we'll have a happy ending. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what they're going for. But I feel like it was a little too jarring you know, like there's a time skip and now everybody is doing terrible things, you know. Right. Um, so WandaVision. So we've got three episodes of this. So we've got on a very special episode, all new Halloween spooktacular, which I always appreciate the any excuse to say the word <laughs> spooktacular, and breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's too much here to really go into in a lot of detail. Oh but I gosh. guess the broad strokes are so Pietro shows up. Um, I guess the main things are like Pietro, Agnes, and Monica are probably like the main yeah. things, right? Yep. Um, oh, and the kids. I guess we could talk about the kids a little bit. And their um, budding powers and all So Pietro shows up, but it's not... And Vision. It's not Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver in the recent Fox, like, X-Men reboot movies, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Prequels slash reboots. That whole timeline was totally screwed up. So he shows up. Um, so there's there's obviously a question here about, like, and at the, the very end of the most recent episode... In, indicated that Agnes slash Agatha mm-hmm. was controlling him mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. sort of like did she create him did she bring him here did did Wanda or she one seemed of, to have her energy did, at his did back did Wanda so or Billy like, yeah. bring him here but she's just like manipulating Puppet, him like it's, it's him, unclear yeah. but the the bigger question is like okay this is an actor who played a different version of Quicksilver so there's at least a couple of possibilities here is this literally supposed to be a different version of Quicksilver from the multiverse because right. because everybody knows they're doing the multiverse, the next Doctor Strange movie, which this is literally going to lead into this show, is, has the word multiverse in the title. All the rumors about the next Spider-Man movie involve villains and other spider 
man. We've seen the poster. She's on there. Yep. <laughs> from from other yes. worlds in the multiverse. Yep. We know they're doing the multiverse. So did someone, Agatha, Wanda, Billy, intentionally or unintentionally grab some other version of Quicksilver? Mm-hmm. Because as Wanda herself said, she can do a lot with her powers, but she can't. We saw this when the dog died, but she can't bring someone back to life. So did she want her brother to be there? But her brother's dead, but she was able to like somehow subconsciously grab some other version of her brother from the multiverse and bring him here. And that's why he looks like Evan Peters. That's one possibility. The other possibility is it's exactly what they say. It's like, oh, she recast him, right? Because she couldn't, it was too much to to see his face or whatever. And it's just, it could be anybody. It could be any actor, just but they dude. cast Evan Peters because they knew it would be a fun thing for the fans. Right. If you're going to recast Quicksilver, let's get the only other guy that's played Quicksilver, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the fans would also speculate, like yeah. we're doing right now, yeah. about all this multiverse stuff, especially since they know that we know <laughs> that they're doing the multiverse yeah. soon. Yeah. So we're going to have all these theories about, oh, he must be from the multiverse. And then it could turn out but he's just some, sh- it could just be some schlub from Westview yeah. that she cast, quote yeah. unquote cast, as the new Pietro, right? Exactly, yeah. It seems like, some other town it seems like he has... Away. Memory, the the real Pietro's memories, but yep. then other times it seems like he has different memories. Mm-hmm. He remembers dying, but he also seems like he remembers them trick or treating his kids, yeah, th- in a way that she doesn't remember. But it's like, is it just because some you know he remembers and she doesn't remember because you know different multiverse? She, well, no, but it's like you know you hang out together as you know sure. two people hang out together That's as kids. They're not always going to remember the exact same nope. adventures because yeah. you know some one person remembers some one things thing better the than another. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um. The, the ending of the most recent episode kind of made it seem like he was maybe on the, the bad guy side because he was like laying yeah. hands on Monica there. Yep. It seems like he was working as like a henchman for Agnes, but yeah. who knows if he's being controlled or whatever, right? The question is like the whole thing ends, the hex comes down, yep. Wanda's powers stop. Does he disappear? Do, does he Does he like, oh man, my name is Joe Smith. Yeah, so weird. in Westview but this entire time. that doesn't explain time. how we would then have speed powers unless he actually, cause she, can she give people superpowers? I don't, can she? Could she give someone super speed? I don't think so. So like, he must mm, be. That's true. Is it I an illusion or? But no, no, no. Because Agatha was the one that was doing it. So maybe Agatha has a way of like I don't know, speeding up time or something. Like, you what, could do, do you, that with a spell. What do you mean he was? What do you mean she was doing it? She was making she was, him travel at super speed and all those scenes where they were running around on Halloween night. Maybe we didn't not. see that. We just saw him no. using her purple powers on him when he was right. standing at their doorway. Right, but she, if she's controlling him, then she's maybe imbued him with Can she give people... Some... Like, obviously, there's a lot we don't know. But, I mean, yeah. these, are, these are all the questions we're right. supposed to be asking, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the kids, you know, the kids are now 10 years old or whatever, and mm-hmm. they've got the powers, you know, like Billy's got his, his magic powers right. and, and Tommy's got the speed powers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other question is, like, did Billy bring him accidentally? It's like, yeah. you know, and yeah. there's, then, you know, they go down into Agatha's basement at the end or Wanda does, and there's all these doors. People are like, oh, what if those are doors to different worlds in the multiverse? And she grabbed Pietro from one of them. Obviously, there's a lot of questions, right? Yeah. She's revealed the big reveal at the end of this most recent episode is that Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness, which is like this witch character from the comics who's been like sometimes like a mentor to Wanda, teaching her to control her powers. Uh-huh. But other times, I, I, I have very little exposure to this character. Other times, I gather, has been a bit more nefarious. Yeah. Um, casting her as like, if, they, if they're going with her as like an out-and-out villain here, that's not really what she is in the comics. But, you know, they do that sort of thing sometimes sure. in these adaptations. But having her be like a powerful witch to like rival Wanda. And you know. So, but I think that what they're, so what they're doing here, which is actually something that was similar to the original storyline where she had kids in the comics, which was that... There were her kids were created like out of her power, basically, right? right. They shouldn't have existed, right. but that made them very unique and powerful magical entities. Right. And there were all sorts of other 
powers in the Marvel Universe yeah. that wanted the kids for themselves, wanted to possess them and use their energy because they were like this unique yeah. thing that never existed. Yeah. So people have gone back and looked at earlier episodes and see like, Agnes seems, yeah, in retrospect, Agnes seems like unusually interested in the kids and the scenes in which they experienced stress and grew themselves up usually involved her being there and like contributing to the stress. So is she like trying to like prime because and then of course she manipulates them to coming over to her house and then Wanda can't find them at the end. Like was she basically like ripening them up for some magical harvesting or something? It seems to be maybe what they're doing, right? Yeah. Um, So I think that's her goal. Like. And this is what we were saying, like Wanda is responsible for what's happening. But I think that this was my theory, right? Like Wanda, like this is, there's no way that Wanda is coming out of this clean. This is clearly a story about her making horrible mistakes and doing bad things in her grief. Yes. But I think what they're going to do is someone else, there's going to be some bad guy for her to fight at the end. I think now it's looking more and more likely that's Agatha. Agatha. And what they're going to do is they're not going to, they're not going to remove all culpability from Wanda, but they're going to say that she was either manipulated slightly or at the, at the least Agatha took advantage of a situation yes. that Wanda created to yes. make it even worse and do other bad things. And this is what I wanted to bounce off of. And they can have a big magic fight at Exactly. The and this is what I wanted to bounce off of because according to, um, let's see, according to Monica, when she was in the world, um, her mind definitely wasn't her own, but it and it was invasive and it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't downright painful. And other people... Other people who come out of it seem like they're in a lot of pain. A lot of pain. And the the guy, the co-worker that Vision had that he zapped out of the thing, he started screaming. He's like, get her out of my head. You have to stop her. And I think that's Agatha's doing. I don't think that's... Yeah, and I even said at the time, he says her and then Vision Mm -hmm. says who, who is it, who are you talking about? So yeah, maybe. But again... I don't think I don't I don't want them to and I don't think they will really because it would be too much of a cop out to exonerate Wanda too much from what's going on. I think that oh, yes. I think that she should be held responsible. I think she's like ruined a lot of people's lives and she's yeah. messed a lot of people yeah. up and she's going to have to be held accountable for yep. that. I don't think they're going to remove all of that from her and right. say oh it was Agnes as the, as the little jingle at the end which the actress actually sang by the way I don't know if you knew that Catherine Hahn actually sang the it was Agatha all along jingle at the end that was the actress singing Um, that's funny which has already become no, a meme, by the way. People have been using that for like anything in movies and TV shows or whatever, and then saying <laughs> it was Agatha all along. That's great. Posting that shot of her winking <laughs> at the camera. Um, that's so good. Can you imagine though? They've been they've been keeping that under their hat since episode one. Because when you think about this, and I was thinking about this as from a film filmmaker perspective, it takes a lot to set up all of those shots. It takes a lot to set the scenery. It takes a lot for the costumes to be in the right place, the lighting, and everything. All of that takes tremendous tremendous resources and i just don't think that they did reshoots for all that little thing you remember when when it first came out oh agatha it was agatha all along and then you see agatha in all those settings winking at the camera kind of breaking the fourth wall as it were and um in in all those different timelines uh bouncing off of the episodes that she was already in do you remember all this Mm -hmm. like she's in the 50s and then she's in the 60s or whatever is going on um, she's sitting at the at the tables and everybody, the, the whole set is set there. I think that they took those shots while they were filming well, the sure. rest of the episodes and the, then, you know, just held on to them shot, until now. These are shot as like a longer movie. Yeah. Like they don't shoot like, okay, now we're going to shoot this episode. Mm-hmm. Like the CW shows or any TV show, we shoot this episode. Then nine days later, we're going to shoot this yeah. episode. And, no, they shoot this but as a, like, shoot this like a movie. But they've kept this under their hats like, for you know. weeks and it didn't leak. Do you know how cool well, that is? Well, the fans is? speculated from the second she was uh, sure. cast as a no, character no, named listen, Agnes. So like all the fans were like, 
like, hmm, Agnes is similar yeah, to Agatha. Agatha. Agatha uh, is a character no, in the comics. No, no, no. So. But look at my face. Nothing leaked. Nothing definitive leaked. This has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Episode one dropped how many weeks ago now? Like, what uh, what episodes are we talking about? Nine and, like... This was seven. That you yeah, said. this was, like, seven of nine or whatever. <laughs> oh, hey. Um, Star Trek reference acknowledged. Anyway, um, so... For for seven weeks, for almost two months now, there has not been a single leak from Marvel's end. Nobody on the production team, nobody on on um, casting, nobody on filmmaking, or no PA has leaked it. Nobody has let loose the secret that uh, of this of this neat little spoiler. It's the kind of thing that normally leaks. Like I mean, um, I disagree. Like in the I most, disagree. Like in the most recent Spider-Man movie, it's like, oh, there's Mysterio in the trailers. He seems like they're playing him as a good guy, but everybody knows that Mysterio is going to be a bad guy. It didn't leak no, no, no. that Mysterio is going to be a bad guy. Everybody just face. presumed that it would. Again, again, that is a movie. Less likely to leak on a movie, but this is a show, and it's been filming for a long time, and it's been well. There've actually like it's different. There've actually been a lot of leaks from One Division that I've had to avoid, and oh. the people knew that Evan Peters was going to be showing up, and and people knew like the entire oh, scripts really? have leaked apparently, and oh, so you got no, to avo- really? avoid some of this stuff online. But oh well, see, I was giving them a little more credit than credit is due, I suppose. Hey I guys, don't know if shut that, your mouth. I don't know if that was specifically one of the things that leaked or not, but I don't That's know. That's not nice. sort of like a character, the like a character having a villainous twist near the end of the series is like that's a little too nuanced like the leaks are normally like can you believe this actor is going to be appearing in the show or this character dies or whatever that's the kind of thing that will often leak it's kind of like oh it turns out this character is you know evil at the end it's like yeah like the people that were there (laughs) when the scene was being shot would would realize that but that's not the kind of thing that makes a bombshell headline that they would i gotta go to variety with this you know i don't know it Um, felt like a pretty big big revelation to me but yeah and all the stuff with with uh with monica is pretty cool too she clearly has her powers like she's got the glowy eyes by the end there yep she's able to she's able to like force her way back in through the hex um and we hear that they they they're they're getting like i said it is i like i like that they have the voice clips from her mother and from carol danvers from the captain marvel movie but it's like was that the only thing that ever was that the only conversation she ever had with her mother why does every memory she has of her mother involve (laughs) lines from that one movie I'm just like a memory. A I life. can't give you she, any new information. She had a whole life with her mother. Yeah. Does she only remember those 10 sentences that she said to her from yeah. that one time when they met Captain Marvel? I know. Anyway. Um, I think it's just meant to be a movie. I get that like, those understand. are the only things that we remember, but they could yes. have gotten the actress in to record some new lines that she said to that'd her in great. the intervening 20 years, right? Yeah, that'd be um, nice, but... But that's cool. And she comes in and she's wearing the sword outfit. And the sword outfit kind of looks a little like her black and white spectrum slash photon outfit from the comics in terms terms of the colors and the overall design. So here's a question for you. Do you think that her powers enabled her to survive the jump into the, um, I mean, survive the the squishing herself back through the... The hex? uh, Yes, the hex. Or... Do you think that her squishing herself through the hex manipulated the, her genes the rest of the way to give her her powers? Which do you think it is? No, she already had her powers after the first couple of times she went through because the scans they took of her that were like un, that Crazy. were like artificially white because yeah. she had like yeah. light powers. Yeah. No, she was able to merge her way back in and she gets in and because she's got like she, like these light-based powers, she's able to see like this... Spectrum the, the of light. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she was literally called Spectrum for a while in oh. comics. So she's able to see, like, the electromagnetic spectrum. And it's like, oh, it's all artificial. It's, like, all made out of this red energy, right? So cool. So um, cool. But I think they're going to go with the photon alias for her if they give her a superhero alias just because they'd already set that up in the Captain they Marvel did. movie. That was her mother's call sign. So I think yeah. they're going to – she's going to take that as a as a way of honoring her mother. But, yeah, yeah so it's cool to see her, her back in there and mixing it up and 
Um, yeah, now, with Ag- now with Agatha revealed as the villain, we got two episodes left. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Vision's making his way back in the yep. uh, in the circus truck there with Darcy. That was great. And Darcy's Darcy's got her memories back. I was so hoping that because we got to see what Darcy's new cast was. Like uh, she, she was cast as the escape artist in this circus of former agents and stuff that got absorbed into the hex when it expanded. Someone pointed out that the guy who's like harassing her in vision and uh-huh. trying to get them to go on yeah. and perform was like a sword agent that was standing next to Darcy when they were overtaken by the hex yeah. wall in the previous episode. It's the same actor. So yeah. it's like, yeah, of course he would be right yeah. next to her. And, of uh, course, yeah. 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 Um, that was good. <laughs> yeah. So it's all really good. So we got two episodes left. Yeah, that was fun. That was good. Um, yeah. So if you want to reach out, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is, everybody say it with me, www.smartspodcast.com. Okay. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... <laughs> Ooh. That's light. I see. Yeah.